Amen. Good morning. I'm just going to let you go ahead and be seated. Crawford said we're doing calisthenics right here this morning, up and down, up and down. It's good to have Crawford and Becky Powell back. Amen. Home. And uh, always good to have uh, my spiritual son, Apostle Calloway, in the house. Amen. So we'd love. It's great to have you here. Amen. I mean, rather be here than the best ICU unit anywhere. Hallelujah. I don't know why preachers do that. I heard that one time. We've been saying it ever since, right? It's mainly to see if you're listening. Hallelujah. I, uh, today, I want to uh, talk to you. It's one of my probably top, uh, definitely top ten, if not top five, uh, stories in Scripture. And it's the last uh, chapter of the book of Luke in Luke 24, and it's pretty familiar to most everyone, but I hope to pull some things out of it today, and I just couldn't get this off my heart, uh, and I want to, to share with you about how we discover, we could say recognize Jesus uh, on the road of life, and specifically here, we're talking about two disciples on the road to Emmaus, which you've all probably heard of. Um, uh, Emmaus was a village seven miles uh, from Jerusalem, and, uh, and I want you to look in verse 12 of Luke 24, just so you get the real setting of what's happening. Uh, this is the third day Jesus had predicted his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, this is resurrection day, and uh, many uh, uh, the women had gone to the tomb, and they found the tomb empty. Uh, they even had angelic uh, encounters that said that he is risen and he is not here. They, those women left and told the disciples um, they did not believe these women. Uh, today's going to be a special day for the women in the house here today. And, and you'll understand as we go along. But, but they, uh, they didn't believe them. And uh, so here in verse 12, but Peter came, uh, Peter arose and ran to the tomb after they told him that. So then Peter wants to go see for himself. Stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed, uh, uh, marveling to himself at what had happened. And then it says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was that while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself, you need to see those words, drew near and went with them. How many can say with him? How many can say with me? Emmanuel, what does that mean? God what? With us. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? How many has ever had to walk while you were sad? We could say depressed here. And then one of those, uh, the, then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in J Jerusalem, and have you not known the things that have happened in these days? And Jesus says to them, What things? And to me, that's one of the most precious things, because he's actually, not only is Jesus there, but he's there to listen, even if we don't know what in the world's going on. He says, What things? And then they said to him the things concerning uh, Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. 
And we were hoping. We're not hoping now, but we were. We were hoping. I mean, it was just a dangerous thing to lose hope. But we were hoping uh, that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Now, what they wanted to happen was Jesus to get rid of the Roman government. And that's what they're talking about. They're not talking about a spiritual redemption, which Jesus had already accomplished. They just didn't see it, didn't know it. They were talking about a physical uh, deliverance and redemption. And it says, indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since things, things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but him they did not see. And then Jesus says to them, O foolish and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. The day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Can I tell you that Jesus come to stay with you, not to visit? He came in to stay with them, and now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, broke, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scripture to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Now the reason that's significant, because Simon Peter had, as far as he was concerned, he was out of the ministry, and Jesus personally went to him and uh, visited him. Uh, we don't have that scene in Scripture. We've got Peter uh, having another visit with him on the shores of Galilee, but that wasn't the initial visit. And they told uh, about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. And now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in their midst. Isn't that awesome? And he said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see for spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Now this is really important that Jesus keeps doing this. But while they uh, still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? And they said uh, that they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. He took it and he ate that in their presence. I mean, those he ate that for them just so he could show them he wasn't Casper. Okay, you got me? Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things must be fulfilled that were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding. This is the third opening he's done. He opened their eyes, he opened their script, the scriptures, and now he's opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And then he said to them, thus it is written that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins 
should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's the commission that we're doing here, that Jesus said to let the people know they're forgiven. Not the ones that just asked for it, but the, to the nations. And you are witness of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, he lifted up his hands, he blessed them, and now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them, carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now you know if you come here, I rarely read that much scripture, but it was really good. And it was on, it's been on my heart this week to just to, and I feel this is really important, maybe just for one person. And in my ministry, I've seen God arrange, look like to me, a whole service just for one person that was there. And that's pretty cool if he does that today, but whatever he wants to do. And I don't know how any of us can read this story without being absolutely encouraged. Number one, we are all either on the road to Emmaus, been on it, or sometimes we'll go on it again. And what I mean by that is that it was a time of great uh, confusion for them. And I want to tell you who I believe, you know, if you Google this and say, who are the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they, you know, images on Google, they're going to show you all these pictures of two men talking to Jesus, which possibly could be correct, but I don't think so. And the reason I don't think so is because uh, in John's gospel at the crucifixion of Jesus, I think it's the 19th chapter, uh, Jesus is being crucified. There's like four women around that cross named Mary. One of those women, and it doesn't, even, it doesn't even name the mother of Jesus, it just says his mother was there, her sister was there. And then it says that Mary was there, the wife of Cleopas. Um, and so that, those disciples, in other words, if, if this woman is standing at the cross, she is in the inner circle of relationship, not only with Jesus, but with his mother and, uh, and, and so the wife of Cleopas is standing there, the scripture says. And so on this road to Emmaus, Jesus drew near to these two people. And what I want to say to you, and, and, and most of you know this, but sometimes we don't feel this. And I'm not interested in just pastoring and just, I love teaching the Bible. If you come here, you know that, you, you, you know that. But the purpose of teaching the Bible is so that you know Jesus. And not just know about him, but that you know him in an experiential way. Uh, that the Bible says, oh, taste of the Lord and see that he is good. Because you won't ever really see God until you taste of God. And, and, and I want you to taste of God. That's my prayer for you today. That's my prayer for every one of us. my prayer for myself. Because that I, that I, that's what got me on this journey. Theology, as far as, the, you know, teaching did not, you know, rock my world. But Jesus himself did when I didn't even know any theology. At 12 years of age, when I, uh, he first encountered me. And I couldn't spell Bible. I didn't know anything about the Bible, but I knew I had encountered him. And it changed my life. And then I've spent my life, uh, uh, you know, and I love reading the Word of God and, and because I want to know him. And I don't feel like I've arrived, even though I've been at this a long, long time now. As far as human lifespans, you know, there's, there's more behind me than there is in front of me. But, but, but I still have that desire to know him. 
And so on this road uh, to Emmaus, this is a really bad time for these disciples to leave Jerusalem. Jesus had predict, predicted his resurrection. Uh, obviously, they don't believe a word of it. They thought he was going to deliver the whole nation of Israel from Roman uh, uh, you know, dominion. That didn't happen. Uh, their leader has now been crucified. How could they crucify if he was the Messiah? How could, they just didn't understand. They didn't know. Uh, and, and, and they're confused, and they're in depression, and they're going home, and they, they don't know what's going on. And I will tell you, no matter how long you've been doing this, there's going to be days that you're going to be confused and you're not going to be happy. You're going to be sad by you just don't understand what's going on. It could be going on in your personal life. It could be going on in the corporate life of the church or in the world or the news. Whatever. You just flat don't understand and you're confused, but you still got to go somewhere. You still got to walk. You got to walk this thing out. Now, I believe based on the scripture that because when Jesus talks to them, and he, and he drew near to them. And I want to tell you, listen, a lot of us sometimes, I'm not, when I say you're on the wrong road, I don't mean just drugs, alcohol, and sex. And stuff. I, you know, I, I mean, that's a given. But a lot of times we're on the wrong road, and it says their eyes were, were you know, the King James, I think, says holding. Here it says their eyes were restrained so they couldn't see. I've even heard preachers try to say that, you know, the Lord was behind that. God's not restraining people from seeing him. God's opening their eyes. What Jesus did in this encounter, he opened their eyes. He didn't constrain their eyes. There's no abracadabra here. He's not trying to keep them. In fact, that's why he drew near to them. And, and the thing that blew my mind just as I thought about this this week, that Jesus is God, right? I mean, he is God, Emmanuel, God with us. And, and this is God. This is Jesus Christ who has just resurrected on the third day. As all the prophets in this, everybody had prophesied, Jesus had prophesied himself that this would happen. They didn't understand it. They didn't have a clue. But he did. Now, this is the God of the universe. And this is what I pray that God will let sink into you. And I, I, and I don't know. This is it. I'll just say it. This is God that apparently is concerned about the depression and confusion of two people. I would think he'd have a lot on his plate this particular day. This is, this is like the, this is the biggest day of all days. And he takes time out to go and draw near and make himself known to two people. And in fact, it was a husband and wife couple. See, that sounds different, doesn't it? And the reason, because it's consistent with all Scripture. In most times in Scripture, New Testament included, it doesn't even name the women. It doesn't name them by name. Um, and so, but it does name the men. And so Jesus draws near to these two disciples. Did Jesus have women disciples? In the New Testament. Of course he did. Uh, he had many. One of the, probably the most famous husband and wife disciple ministry teams, and you can't say they, sure, they were surely disciples, was Aquila and a lady named Priscilla, right? And they traveled with the Apostle Paul and ministered. They had a church in their home. And um, Scripture gives great recognition. And in fact, in several places, uh, she is listed first which is significant, and uh, because that hardly never happened, and it hardly never happened that the woman was named because just of the culture of that time when, it, when, when the scriptures were written. 
And in fact, the reason it would be unfair to have two men walking that road and not recognize the second one by name. But the one named Cleopas is the one that spoke up, which would have been proper. And he answered. Now, he, Cleopas has a wife, and I just told you where that's at in John 19. And her name is Mary. And on this third day of great confusion and sadness and depression, they head back home, this husband and wife team. They're both disciples. They're close to Jesus. Had been very close, so close that Mary stood there, his wife, Cleopas' wife, with Mary, the mother of Jesus, at his crucifixion. She saw him die. She heard what he said, John, behold my mother. She, she witnessed all of that. And was saddened, depressed, confused. And a lot of times on, these, on our journey, the road of life, we, we, get, we deal with that. I mean, let's just admit it, right? We deal with it. And I'm not immune to it just because I've been at this while. In fact, I don't know if it gets to sometimes be more confusing. Even I talked to a little older lady uh, this week, and she was so precious. I was there, you know, with the Medicare stuff to help her. But she said, she said, you know, I, and she didn't know I was no preacher or nothing. I don't go around with a preacher card or the preacher tag, you know. And I'm just listening. Man, people go through stuff. Everybody does. I have no idea about the woman's background, but I do know she loved Jesus and was trusting him. And she, uh, she said, you know, I used to think that when I got older that everything would settle out and life would get easier. She said, boy, I learned that's not the case. And she said, life just keeps coming and cycles keeps coming. She said, but the Lord has always helped me. She said, I lived in a town, I won't name the town, and and uh, it was near uh, the east side of Georgia. And she said there was a lot of bad things going on, and I, and I prayed for God to to get me out of there. And she said so. My nephew helped, and, and he brought my they they you know did she had a mobile home a trailer, and they brought it to where uh, over here you know, and I was right down the road here where from where you are with me. And she said, and, and that man was supposed to have the lot cleared and all of that. And she said we got here, and there wasn't even no place to park the trailer. We had to get it out of the road, and it was just horrible living situation, and drugs was all around me, and people doing drugs and stuff. And she said, I was, and she started crying, telling me the story. She said, Lord, you delivered me from me over there, which was so bad, and you brought me to here, and now I'm, I'm, I'm in another mess, and I got to have you to help me. My husband died some years ago, and she said, I just need you to help me because I can't have no peace living like this. And uh, limited income, you know. And she said, my husband was a stickler about wearing a, a hat to protect you from the sun all his life. She said, he wore a straw hat. She said, I guess I just picked it up from him when I put on his old straw hat and I was out working in the yards. And she said, a lady walked by walking her dog and she saw, and she just, young, young lady, and turned in and said, I've got to see the woman in the straw hat. I've seen you several times wearing the straw hat. And I just wanted to meet you and tell you that me and my husband live right down here. And they got to be friends and really good friends in just a short period of time. And, and I guess shared hearts with one another. And the woman said, I want you to have your trailer. We're going to help you move your trailer over here on our land. And uh, we got plenty of room for you. 
and we'd love to have you there. And she said, they're like my own family. She said, they check on me every day. They bring me stuff. That They look after me. And uh, she had just the biggest old tears running down her face. And she said, she said, the Lord always takes care of his own. That's what she said to me, you know. And um, I left there blessed and encouraged and reminded that God hears your prayers. And God's drawing near to you. And even if you're on the wrong road... And you're on the wrong path. A lot of times we get on roads that the Lord don't want us on. But I want to promise you this from the word of God and from my life. God's always on that road with you. He's right there with you. We, we talked about it last Sunday, didn't we? Uh, got pretty excited about it if you listen to the podcast. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. He's always with you. And God's with you on the wrong road. And I love that about God. And I love that he would talk. And so you got this couple, this married couple, so depressed, so sad. And, and, and Jesus draws near for the reason of, of ministering to them. And Jesus is the one that says, well, you know, what is it that when you walk? Well, and sometimes we walk and we talk. And it's our talking that don't help us sometimes. And, and you know, another, you know, sometimes I'm just honest with you. And I mean, and I, and I sure appreciate you praying for me, but I don't ever want no service to be about me. I want, you know, but I, but I thank you for that. It means so much that, for Johanna to do that and, and for, for, for you to pray like that. And I'm, you know, I'm in a flesh suit and I get discouraged. You do know I'm on every chair field. I don't want us in survival mode as a church. I want us to have more money than we need. I want us to fix that roof. I, I don't want no leaks in this bit. You know what I'm saying? I, it's all those the weight of it. So last Monday, I was really still, I was just, it was, it was, I was, I had verbalized to my wife's, you know, Lord, you know, what do I do? <laughs> and she had, she, you know, her habit is, and I wish I had her discipline, I don't, uh, but she's an extreme disciplined woman. And, and with her eating and exercise and all that stuff. And um, she wouldn't admit she is, but she is. And that really gets on my nerves bad. <laughs> and uh, she'll have her little cheap moments, but they don't last long. And, uh, but she is like a drug dealer. She does buy stuff that she will not touch, but shoves that to me. And I think vicariously she draws some pleasure from watching me eat that stuff that she won't touch and, and she just keeps shoving that to me and smiling and so but she prayed literally last Monday and you said Lord show my husband what you want him to do do you want him to keep doing this or do you want him to do something else show him and show us so Monday when I came from a meeting that was not an encouraging meeting, church meeting. I came in and I verbalized my discouragement to my wife. And she was not encouraged by the meeting. Then I told her what had happened, said. And uh, it, was, it was just not encouraging. It was, so you don't wonder, and I won't be specific, but it was a person telling me that, that, you know, the Lord was leading them on somewhere else, you know. And, of course, any pastor hates that. You want people to, you know, hang, hang here and, and stuff. But uh, uh, so what, what do I say, you know? Well, I just want you to obey God. God bless you. We love you. Hallelujah. 
so I told my wife my discouragement, and uh, and so and and this is this is just what happened. This is how Papa is. I don't know if I told y'all. God's really good. He, he's great, really. Uh, and I told her that I walked to another room, and my phone went, you know, went off. Text. And the text was from. Uh, my buddy, he was in ministry with Pastor Keith Stiff at the House of Grace. He was, you know, he was received ministry there many years ago, drug and alcohol. He graduated from there, stayed there, and was the staff and was the right-hand person and the person that kept it going when Pastor Keith got in those terrible, terrible automobile accidents. He's the one who kept the ministry going. His name's Sean. And today, and he, and he got his education and went back to school, and he's a traveling nurse. And, and he's going to be here in a few weeks, and, and I can't wait to see him, and I'm, I'm going to make him get up here and talk and say hi to y'all. But God's used him mightily, and he, he travels, you know, last time, one time he, he was over in uh, New Mexico, and, uh, and then he, so he, my phone went off, and, and he sent me just a quick text, and it said, Pastor uh, I just got through listening to your message yesterday, and uh, he said, I, I, I felt like I was just supposed to tell you, keep doing what you're doing. That's exactly what he wrote. Keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing, and I wanted to bless you with a $200 blessing just because I love you. Now, it wasn't the $200. Of course, well, you know, I like money, just like you do. But I walked back in there, and showed that to my wife. And it blessed her because she said, that's my exact words when I walked and prayed this morning. Lord, show him to keep doing this or not. And the text come and said, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, I was so uh, touched by that. And it was a little thing, but it was a big thing. That I called Pastor Johan and I said, I, I'm calling you. And I called her Tuesday, and I said, I'm calling you to tell you what happened to me yesterday, because she knew, uh, you know, that I was troubled by something. And, uh, and I said, I called you, Johanna, to encourage you so that you would be encouraged. And she said, well, Pastor, just keep doing what you're doing, you know. And that's all I know to do. But sometimes you're on that road, and you're wanting the Lord to, to speak to you and to, to show you. And, we, you know, we, we would like to have the big fireworks in the sky and the bellowing voice from heaven, you know, and all that stuff. But sometimes it's that still small voice. And what the Lord, I believe, was saying, even like through that precious brother that's in New York at a hospital working as a traveling nurse, that don't got a clue about this unless he listens to this one and then see how important it was, Sean. <laughs> but, uh, um, and, and he just didn't have a clue how significant that, that little act of obedience and the timing of it I literally talked, and I walked out of the room discouraged, and my phone went off. And, and that, that's not coincidence. That's, not, that, that's just God. And God does that kind of stuff. And we, and, and, and we have to, and it's important to recognize God's with you on the road, whatever road you're on. You could be on the road to Jerusalem, and he's with you. And you can be on the road going the opposite way that you're supposed to be going, but he's with you. 
and he's there for you. And, and the fact that he's there, and, and then he, and I just can't, my mind, I still can't get over that he would take time for two. Not 22, not 202, not 22,000, just two, two people and a husband and wife team. And they don't even mention her name just out of the cultural thing. And, but she was there. And if there's any woman that had to be really confused, she was there witnessing when all the 12 disciples had pretty much scattered except John now has come back. And this woman is standing there. And she's there. A lot of times I tell you the truth, man, if it wasn't for these women. Now, come on, somebody. I mean, the, the, these Mary... I, I'm glad I got me a Mary that'll say, come on now, we're we going we gonna to make it now. This thing's going to be all right. We're going to, you know, thank God for these women. And, 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 and it so touched my heart. See, the, the book of Mark, the 16th chapter says, and it's probably talking about these two disciples. It said that Jesus, it said they were two disciples. And it's given the account of all the appearances of Jesus post-resurrection. And it says that, that they were two disciples walking to the country. Don't say Emmaus there. And it said he appeared to them in a different form. They didn't recognize him. See, Jesus won't appear probably in the form that you're looking for him to appear. But you'll have to recognize whatever form he comes. And his appearance is coming to you not to make himself cloak himself, but to reveal himself in a way that you need. He knows what you need. But my point is this, and I don't mean anything offensive by this, but if you're Baptist, you're looking for a Baptist Jesus. See? But he probably is not going to come Baptist. He might come in a different form that you're not looking for. And, and it's important that our eyes are open, that we recognize. And one of the things you recognize is your heart will burn. And this is the good kind of heartburn here. That your heart will burn when he's, when he's revealing himself to you. And, 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 and so that's what Jesus did. He, he's talking to them. He says, why are y'all sad? It's like Jesus, Jesus said, this, Jesus is like, I just got resurrected. This is not a day to be sad. This is a day to be excited. This is a day to, to rejoice and to praise God, my Father. You know, and, and why are y'all sad? Jesus knew she was standing at the tomb, I mean at the cross, watching him go through his crucifixion. He could see her just like he could see John and his own mama. And, 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 and this is not a day to be sad. And he said, well, you know, and, and then uh, Cleopas, because he, he, he don't know he's talking to Jesus. He don't know he's talking to him, and he's, he says, are you the only tourist in Jerusalem? I mean, you know, you're the only person in Jerusalem that didn't get the newspaper today, that don't know what's going on? He's like, duh, I can't believe you would ask me such a foolish question. And Jesus is so sweet and so kind. And this is, I've never been able to get over this and don't want to. He says, what things? To think that God himself, the God that created the world, would take time to let a human being discuss their problems. And, and, and he's there not faking listening, really listening, and letting us talk. And most of what we're saying is depressive, not correct. We, we're, we just got it all messed up, man. Just got it all messed up. And, 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 we, and we just don't get it. You know, somebody this past week, they said they had posted something on Facebook and, and, and another person that they know really well uh, put a comment on their post. And they were just trying to share really from their heart. They're just trying to share stuff that they thought would bless someone. And it is wildly gracious <laughs> and full of hope uh, that God's going to get what he wants in the end. 
that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father that he is Lord. And uh, I don't, just that one verse should really aggravate a lot of people, particularly religious. When I've grown up in a legalistic environmental church situation, I used to see that verse or hear it. And when the preachers in the church I was raised in quoted it, they quoted it like some military person. They quoted it like some general. You know, it's like Jesus came first time, he was sweet and all, riding a baby donkey. But when he comes back the second time, glory to God, he's going to be riding a white charger and he's coming to kick butt and take names. Oh, glory. That's how they verbalized it to us. Now, maybe not that didactically in those terms, but that's what they meant and that's the meaning I got. Anybody beside me kind of got that same revelation, whether you wanted it or not, from your church. And, uh, and so I used to see that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, you know, to the, to the, and then it says to the glory of God the Father. I used to see that, you know, the angels are going to have them big swords or the spears or Michael, you know, he's going to be, you know, they're going to bring them up before the judgment. And these people here going to hell, you know, straight away. But before they go, by God, you're going to confess that he's the Lord. And so they put the spear right up to them and they say, confess. Yes, you're the Lord. Yeah, and that brings the Father a lot of glory right there. When you, at the point of a spear, you force a person under duress to confess that you're God. And that brings the Father great glory, doesn't it? Yes, that's a wonderful scene. And that makes love non-existent. Because love does not control, love does not manipulate, love does not use, love does not force. God is love. He's not love plus something else. John said he's love. He's love, period. God don't have it, God is it. What does love look like? It looks like God. What does God look like? God looks like Jesus. What does God's love look like? Practically, it looks like Jesus on the cross. It is a God who is a God who radically forgives, even those who don't want it forgives anyway. It is a God who is non-retaliatorial, non-punitive, non-threatening. He is a God who will forever be both man and God. For it was an eternal decision to become Jesus. He was always the Word, but the Word became flesh. And He will always be flesh, and He can always eat broiled fish and honeycomb. We get to eat in heaven. I don't understand it. You ain't, you're not going to have to have it. It's just going to be for pure pleasure. Hallelujah. Heaven. Wouldn't it be nice just to eat food for just pure pleasure? And you can eat and not have to pray to cast the calories out. Just go on and eat it. Because you ain't, they ain't, ain't going to be, no, nobody going to be overweight in heaven. We're going to be just right. Okay? And that's true. We're going to eat. I don't understand all that, but we're going to eat. And, uh. And, it, and Jesus does it in this glorified body. And it was an eternal decision that he made because of his love for us. 
And the thing that amazes some people and confuses others is he has scars in his hands and his feet and his side. And I always have people, all my ministry, they've asked me, well, I thought, you know, when you, you know, go get resurrected, you're not supposed to have no more scars. And if you're an amputee, you won't be a no amputee. And if you had scars, your scars would be healed up. And that's probably true. I hope it is. Uh, my granddaddy, who preached all, 40, he preached 42 years. It's amazing. I've preached now as long as he did. But my granddaddy had a hunting accident and fell with a shotgun, and he, he lost his left hand. And he was always called, as I got old enough to hear people talk about my granddaddy, oh, your granddaddy was the preacher that had no arm. That made me want to punch him. All he did was lost his hand right at the wrist, and they would call him, oh, the one-arm preacher. See how people are? Aren't people the worst? No, we love people. <laughs> but see how they would exaggerate it? Oh, your, your granddaddy had the one arm. No, he had an arm. He would take that little nub, he called it, he could do all kinds of stuff with that. He'd put that nub, hold a nail, drive a nail. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he went on with his life. But I'd like to believe when I get to heaven, my granddad's going to have both of them hands back on, and I believe he will. But there is a reason that Jesus chose to have the scars. And remember, Thomas didn't believe unless he could see and touch the scars. And so that tells me another thing about Papa, is you have a co-suffering Savior who is familiar with your suffering, and has co-suffered along with you. And when you have a death in your family, when you're crying, that's his tears crying through you. When Mary and Martha's brother has died, and Jesus knows he's on the way to raise him from the dead, Lazarus, but he sees Mary and Martha crying, and he starts crying too. Jesus wept. Why is he weeping? Not because he ain't fisting to raise him up. He says he knew he was going to raise him up. Because you know why? You ever love somebody so much. I mean, you loved them so much that you saw them crying, and you don't even know why they're crying, but you start crying. You see them crying, you're, your lips start quivering. And here they come to, you don't even know what they're crying about, but you just see them crying, and now you're crying. I've seen my, my grandbabies have done that to me. I've seen them crying. I start crying, I don't even know what they're crying about. I come to Poppy. What's the matter? Then I go from crying like, oh, who did this to you? Was, do you need me to go straighten your mommy out or, or your, my son out? They'll say sometimes, Poppy, you're, you're their daddy. You can spank them. <laughs> Not no more. And I said, don't, Poppy, don't. Anyway, I don't want to get in that. I don't want to crack that lid. But Jesus it identifies his scars. He's a co-suffering Lord. And when you have things that hurt you, wound you, scar you, you can always put your hands in his hand. Jesus walked that road with them. He revealed himself to them. He made himself known to them. Their eyes were opened when he expounded the scripture. And it says, beginning with Moses and through the prophet, and I spent a whole sermon kind of trying to talk to you about how to read your Bible. And that's my whole goal in any of that kind of talk is that when you start reading in Genesis, and if you read it all the way through the Old Testament, those 39 books, there'll be passages that really trouble you, just being honest. I don't know if you've read the whole Bible. I have several times. There'll be passages that could confuse you if you allow them to. There'll be passages that you'll just shake your head and go, I don't understand. But all I'm asking you to do is read it like Jesus said, the proper way to read 
the scripture, beginning with Moses, who wrote Genesis? Moses wrote it. Who wrote the first five books? Moses wrote it. So when you start with Genesis, you're beginning with Moses. And when you're reading Genesis and Leviticus and Exodus and Deuteronomy and Numbers, and you're reading the Bible, then always look for one person everywhere you read, and that's Jesus. And when you don't see Jesus, don't worry about it. Just keep reading until you see Jesus. You know how to eat a T-bone steak, right? You lead the bone and you eat the meat. Come on, somebody. So you, you, you just, you just you look, you're looking for Jesus. You're looking for Jesus. You're not looking for reasons not to believe in Jesus or not to believe that God's good. You're looking for reasons to believe that God is Jesus and Jesus is God. Because the book of Hebrews in your New Testament said he is exactly like Jesus. He is the exact representation of the invisible God. Jesus is. So Jesus is like God. God is like Jesus. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. And that right there, you would think that is such original, foundational theology. But that statement right there gets pushed back. Because it's amazing. I grew up, admittedly, not really knowledge, knowing I was doing it, but I grew up with a, with a, with a vision of God as being the grumpy, kind of cruel, vindictive old dude in the sky. Jesus being the nice son who came really to save us from his dad who was filled with wrath and anger against us because we were now sinners. And he would put up with us just because Jesus liked us. And Jesus would say, Daddy, come on now, don't kill him because... You like me and I like them. Come on. And the Holy Spirit was either a tongue or a jerk or a bird. And I didn't see him as a real person at all. I saw him as an it. You know. And that's pretty messed up if you really just pause to think about it. Did, did, is, is, do I have any company in the room? Did anybody else admittedly kind of see that just to help me not feel like a lunatic? Okay, there's a few of us lunatics was raised kind of that way. But that's not true. God is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? I, I pray this encourage you. I know I'm not like last Sunday, I got all that Pentecostal excited, right? But I, I want to tell you this is important for you. He's with you, He's for you, He's on that road, and He's there to open your eyes. And, 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 and he does it in a lot of ways. He does it when you open the scripture. You'll, you, your heart will burn. He'll reveal himself. So read the Bible. Read the Bible. Do what most Americans, in my opinion, do not do because I read Facebook. And I'm telling you, in my humble opinion, and it's a small one, America, by and large, is biblically illiterate. And I don't mean that as a cut to the people. It's just the stuff. You could not post what they post if they had any literacy and understanding of God in the Bible. You just couldn't do it. And it's always filled with threats and innuendos and sarcasm. And so when my, my son, uh, you know, posted something and someone said under the comments, well, so you're a moron too. And that really hurt his feelings. He didn't respond. Ten years ago, he took his head off. But my kids are growing too, just like yours. 
in maturity and patience. And, and But I know it's hard. His heart's not to be uh, shock jock at a Bible radio. It's to bring people to the knowledge of how good God really is. And I thought, how arrogant, and I've said this before, how arrogant it is just because you consider yourself a fundamental evangelical whatever. My little granddaughter yesterday asked me, somebody said something about a cult. She said, Poppy, what's a cult? And uh, that's kind of a hard question to tell a seven-year-old. And I said, well, what they meant by that was, <laughs> and it wasn't referring to any church, it was something else. It was a, uh, they were talking about, what, what, what's the thing they went, what's her name? Taylor Swift. So anyway, and my grandkids, them two especially, they love Taylor Swift, whatever, hallelujah. Uh, and, and you know, God bless her. You know, I wish she'd send me an offering or something. But because um, I made my grandkids real mad one time, I said, I, you know, if she was singing. I said, if she was singing right across the road. I wouldn't walk over and listen to her. And boy, that really made them mad. And it might make you mad. I'm just saying that ain't my cup of tea. God, God bless her. You know. But I'm not gonna go to the movie and watch watch her singing at the movie theater, but like they did. But they were saying that's the cult. They're, it's like a cult, the Swifties or something. I don't know what they call them. Is that right, Swifties? So that's a cult. So she said, Poppy, they say that we are part of the Swifties cult. And she said, I don't know what the cult means. And I said, well, cult comes from culture. It just means they have a culture for that. And, uh, and, and the church was, in, in the early church, they were proud to be called a cult. Because the people that were being sarcastic toward the church said they have their own culture. And that was, that was something to be proud of. Now, you're in a cult. Well, let me tell you something. Everybody's got a cult. The Baptists got their cult. Methodists got their cult. Pentecostals got their cult. The, everybody's got a cult. They've got their own culture. But to think that yours and that you have somehow stumbled upon the only true knowledge and that everybody else is wrong and that you're right and if they're not part of your church or your denomination or your understanding or your team or following your preacher, that everybody else is wrong. I cannot process how people cannot, get, and say it nice, Dale, I can't understand how you can be that non-intelligent to believe that you have got the market cornered on your understanding and image of God. And that you now possess the totality and the correct version of that. And there is no error in anything you believe concerning Yahweh. You've got to be a religious nut to believe that. Last night, y'all know if you come here, and I hope this don't sound weird because I know we had some visitors here. So give me another chance, okay? But a lot of times, not a lot, well, I don't know, fairly often on Saturday night I would dream things. And, and I do believe the Lord's in his way to try to communicate to me his heart, even over the specific service. So I want you to stand. And I, I, I want to pray especially for women. And I want to pray first of all and foremost for if you are a single woman, in other words, you don't, you don't have a living husband or you're just a single person, a woman, um, uh, you don't have to be widow. You know what I mean. Just get up here, women. Just if you're if you're a woman. But I want to pray especially first 
for women that are living on their own by themselves for whatever reason. And I want you guys that, are, that, that meet that criteria, I want you to line up close as you can to the altar right up front here. Now, I want, once these, all y'all single women? <laughs> Why is not this church full of men looking for a woman? <laughs> Where are these men at? All you men on Facebook that are looking for a wife, here you go, my brothers. Y'all need to get down here quick. <laughs> yeah, some of y'all saying, we don't want no more of them. We done had a husband. We don't want another one. Yeah, my wife says something ever happened to me. She ain't getting another one. It was too hard to raise me. She's not, she don't have the energy to try that again. I do want to say seriously, I cut up probably too much, but I love you women and I believe I dreamed about that I was supposed to pray over y'all last night. And see what a good day you came on, Crawford. And uh, see, when Crawford shows up, the prophetic shows up because it shows up with him and in him. Um, and then I want the rest of the women, if you, if you want to participate, you don't have to. And I don't want you to like, I ain't going back to church, preacher made me come. I ain't going to make you do nothing. And if you stay at your seat and you as a woman, I love you just as much as if you come down here. And I mean that for real. But if you want to participate and want to get down here, I'd like for any other women that want to come, do you come stand behind these women? And if that if that'd be okay. I mean, I'm not trying to force nothing on you here. And uh, But I really want to be obedient. And I'm going to try to do this real quick. And then I want these preachers, and I want Crawford, and I want these elders, to just do whatever they feel led and whom to pray for do. Uh, but, but so last night in my dream, and I felt like Papa was just talking to me and showing me stuff about you women, particularly. And I felt like they would be a woman here. Could be one, could be several. And I'm going to say, and I wish the Lord would make me like Brother Branham. And you don't even know who he is, so don't worry. But if you knew who Brother Branham was, that he would show them specifically. And he has done that at times, a few times in my life. And that really makes me look super spiritual when he does that. People go, wow, how did he know that? But see, this is not about you going, wow, at the precious free gifts of the Holy Spirit. The only reason the Holy Spirit gives gifts to the church is to, so that your faith will raise up. And number two, because just like those two people he drew near to on the road to Mass, he cares about what you go through. Single women, widowed women, women living by themselves, maybe even struggling like the little lady over in uh, over near Waycross I met with last Friday. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, my heart breaks for so many things. But... So last night, I saw a woman who was living by herself. I have, I have no understanding of what kind of home. It could be a mobile home. It could be an apartment. It could be a house. I don't know. But you have a feel, you feel like the weight of that whole, the weight of, of your survival, the weight is on you. It's just a, almost a crushing weight that you feel. And the Lord feels that weight that you feel. And it feels extremely heavy to you. It almost feels like it's crushing you. Just the weight of life. And that could be one woman. That could be several. But I know you're here. And if, that, if you feel that, 
And it's okay if you women standing behind them feel that same way, even though you're married. It's fine. But if you do feel that, just by simple an act of faith and saying, Papa, I'm here. If you put your hand up and just show the Lord. Okay. I thought there might be several. The other thing was, I saw and I heard your, I heard a woman pray this specific prayer. And she said, Lord, I feel like I'm drowning. She said, I feel like I'm drowning. Who prayed that prayer? Bless you, my sister. God's not going to let you drown, dear lady. I saw another lady, you're so concerned about your automobile or the lack of one thereof. Can I pray with you? Just a general prayer. If it's that you yeah, you really got a burden. Your car's um, messed up. I actually saw it underwater. I don't know what that meant, but you're praying for something about your vehicle, your, your, your ride. Yeah, okay, I saw you. All right? Can I tell you that? God's got that. It's okay. It's okay. I don't know if somebody's going to pull up from a dealership and hand you keys. I mean, I'd be cool. If they do, you can, you can testify to that next Sunday, I promise you. But however it comes, don't worry about the car deal. Because God's, God, he would not show me that in a dream if he wasn't going to deal with it. Then I saw another lady. There's been a, not a physical storm, but you've gone through a family storm in your family. I don't know specifics of it. I didn't hear, but it's a, it's a family storm. And you got on the wrong side of that storm. I'm not going to make you raise your hand on this one. But you got on the wrong side of that storm. And, and now you, you, you know that you got on the wrong side of it. And you're trying to figure out how to get back on the right side of that storm. And the right side and wrong side is not uh, getting with this family member or, or being against this family member and being on with this family member. That's got nothing to do with nothing. There's only one side, and that's the Lord's side. And what I'm saying is, is I felt like just to assure you and encourage you that Papa sees the, the stress of all that with that family uh, situation and you found yourself on the wrong a side of that deal and initially you thought that was right and you did what you thought was right you didn't do it with evil intent but now you kind of got yourself the family it's a mess it is that's the only way you can say it is an absolute mess and you're trying to figure out how first off you can't fix it god will but just stand on his side trust in him don't take sides don't let them coerce you into well, you got to be for me, and that, that puts you against them. Don't do that. You just stand there as the mama. Stand there knowing God's going to do it. And God's going to fix what you can never fix. And you'll worry. God don't want you worrying about it. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for your precious handmaidens, these women. Just like Mary, the wife of Cleopas, God, I lift these women before you that their eyes would be opened. Their understanding, their revelation, their needs are all met in you, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, uh, for their 
just natural things, their house, for the money to be able to live their life without worry and, and dread and what they're going to do and all these stresses of life. Let them know that you're with them, you're in them, and you're for them. And I pray that. Let this precious lady know she's not drowning. You're not going to let her drown in the name of Jesus. I pray that the one that needs the car situation resolved, I pray that that be resolved right now in Jesus' name. I, 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 I lift these women before you, Papa. And I saw you moving mightily with these women. And I pray that you would let these women continue to stand like Mary, the wife of Cleopas. Let them stand in tough times. Let them stand even if they're standing at the foot of the cross. Let them stand with their, with their husbands, these women that are married. Let them stand with their husbands. When their husbands are discouraged and he's walking away from things he should be walking to, let these women stand and be your voice to that husband. The voice of encouragement, not discouragement. Lord, that they will do what they did. They'll, Cleopas will turn around and go back to Jerusalem. And he didn't even know when he was going back, he was going to get to see Jesus manifest again in a room full of scared disciples. He was going to get to touch the scars and see a co-suffering Savior. And I pray uh, that in Jesus' name. I pray for every one of these women. Man, don't you feel the Lord on that? I told you it's going to be a good day for women. Amen. <laughs> And it's nice to do something for women when it ain't Mother's Day. Hallelujah. Uh, I just want to tell you, we love you. I mean that sincerely. You know, there's so many miracles. that There stands one there. Just, she sent me the, you sent me the, I guess you call it the picture. It was actually a video. And she sent me, Mary Lee sent me the video when they filmed her when she was in the coma. And when I was a paramedic for 20 years, I mean, no offense, but we would call it positive O sign. But when you see a person, their mouth is gapped open O, and we knew that time was short for that person, unfortunately. And that was the video, wasn't it? She sent that to me. Of course, she didn't know they was filming her and they was trying to speak. But Mary Lee wanted me to see with my own eyes, which I had seen, but you didn't know it. And I went back when you did know it. And I remember, was that your sister or something in there or something? And she was in there talking about, do you know who that is? And Mary Lee looked at her like she was, she said, yes, I know who it is, Pastor Dale. She, said, she was like, do you know who he is? And to see God bring her out of that uh, and stands here before us today uh, is such, should give everybody in this room hope. That our God's a miracle worker. And, uh, and that so encouraged me. She just wanted me to see the depth of where, and I knew where she was. And they were people already talking to me, you know, in, in, in terms that it wasn't going to be good. You know, like, you know, by her funeral. People talk to me about her funeral. She's standing right here. <laughs> Mary Leah talked to me about her own funeral whenever she gets ready. And I've had other people. I have people that talk to me about Mike Hardy's 
Martha, you know, my, my, uh, my funeral. He, he, don't, he don't need no funeral. <laughs> she put up video on Facebook the other day. They was down there with a family reunion in Florida down there. I mean, hallelujah. Our God is still a miracle-working God. Amen? Oh. Uh, Crawford, did you want? Did you have anything that you, or elders or uh, apostles? Did y'all want to say anything? Y'all scared to talk with all this pile of women? <laughs> come on, Crawford, come on. Okay. Actually, I do want to say something. Um, so I see generations standing here, and I know oftentimes we all think, "Woe is me." And I see generations standing here. Miss Ruth, I think about you guys. I saw you ever. I was like, hallelujah, man. I hadn't seen her. I think about you guys, and I laugh, and I smile for the relationship that you and your husband had for all those years. Speaks to generations. I saw a young lady holding a baby on the back rug. God, ladies, look around you. Pour into the generation behind you. Don't get caught up in what your life is and say, woe is me. Look at the generation behind you that I see so much life. I see a lot of gray hair. I'm getting it. I saw a picture of me from behind a couple of years ago, and I said, who is that guy sitting in that car? Because I did not know, you know. I'm getting there, guys. But I just see, I, I see so much life standing here. Um, Dina, I've watched you grow up from you were a kid, you know. I've watched you, but you're standing here in wisdom and maturity now, and you're speaking life into generations and doing what you do. I see so much life here. And ladies, I say reach out and grab another lady and say, hey, if you need me, I'm here. If, if, if I need you, I'm here. Don't feel like, don't allow yourself the way the world does to get so disconnected that you think you're all alone, right? There's so much life standing here. And, and just... Pour yourself into the generation behind you and let that generation encourage you for what you're walking into and walking through. A lot of you guys have lived so much life. So much life. You know, I had, a, I had an older guy tell me one time, he said it made a statement. I said, whoa, I've never done that. He said, just keep on living, brother. Just keep on living. You know, and I, I kind of thought it was a joke. And then later on, I was like, Wow. There's a lot of life in what he just said. Just keep on living. And so be encouraged by those that are around you. Look around you and say, hey, pick somebody out. And just reach out and grab hold of. And, and glean that life from them. We were, we were at a, a little party last night. And one of the young ladies had a new baby. And Becky sat there and held that baby and held that baby and held that baby. So baby, it's not your baby. She said, well, <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. But don't, don't let yourself be isolated. Don't listen to what the world says you are or are not. Listen to who God says you are. And remember, remember the battles you fought. Joshua and Caleb, man, they fought the battles and they came in. Joshua said, go, God said, go pick out what you want. Because you fought the battles and you brought back the testimony of the goodness of God when others would not do that. And ladies, don't think that somebody doesn't need to hear the testimony of God within you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Good work, Bill. Thank you, Crawford. Thank you. Apostle Callaway.
Come, come uh, pray our benediction out of here. Pray over these precious people. Boy, he, you might have saw him stand up, had his arm around me. It's all this morning after y'all pray. He just encouraging me. Just it's like getting hooked up to an IV of hope, <laughs> listening to him. <laughs> Amen. Father, we just thank you for this word that we've heard today. As you encourage our hearts on this Emmaus journey. We thank you for the women of this church. These midwives. Continue to undergird them with your strength. That they will be able to undergird others. We thank you for this church family. As you continue to manifest your kingdom. As you give us total and complete healing in our spirits, minds, and bodies, and as you prosper us as we continue to do the work of the kingdom beyond this place. We thank you for this fellowship. May we continue to remain connected and edified by one another. May your grace and your peace be multiplied upon us from this time forth, and even forevermore, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. May the Lord bless you.